A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and our brother Zosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech, and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you will call into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Disciples heard 
say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Give us ears to hear. May we hear and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may want the song in front of you. I waited upon the Lord, he stooped to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the desolate pit, out of the mire and clay. He set my feet upon a high cliff and made my footing sure. He put a new song in my mouth. Hope and despair, fear and lament, are ever-present in the earthly lives of God's people. So we turn again and again to the Psalms to be reminded of God's faithfulness, God's steadfast love. In today's psalm, the psalmist praises God in relief for having been rescued from the pit, which I always interpret as despair. And she was then set again on firm ground. We all know that feeling. The world is shaking. Our lives are shaking. Perhaps our faith is shaking. But God hears, and in this case, the psalmist is redeemed from the mire, from whatever was blocking him or her from being able to live, to see beyond himself. God cleared that way and gave a higher place to stand, where there is a wider vision, where there is more to be seen than the psalmist's own despair. The response is praise, and the awareness that it is God, God alone, who rescues and redeems, not evil spirits, idols, or false gods, not our own willpower or actions, God alone. You put a new song in my mouth. I sing a new song because God has put it there. And then the psalmist gives public testimony about the experience. I have something new to say because of God's love, because of my experience of God's faithfulness. And the psalmist tells everybody in public. I proclaim righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I did not restrain my lips. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your deliverance. I have not concealed your love from the great congregation. One of the reasons I love this song is that it emphasizes the importance of speaking the truth to oneself, to one another, and in public. How do we ensure that what we say and what we listen to is the truth? 
How do we do this in a world of Facebook and Twitter and other social outlets where we do not see the faces of the people we are speaking to? A world with a 24-7 news cycle which values ratings and, frankly, anxiety, reporting more bad news than good news, it seems. We have leaders who use their words to divide rather than unite. So where do we go? Ironically, a 4th century theologian, St. Augustine of Hippo, offers us some timeless guidance. Here's what he says. The lips must proclaim what is in the heart. This is an injunction against fear. But the heart must have in it what the lips say. This is an injunction against insecurity. Sometimes you are afraid and dare not say what you know to be true, what you believe. But at other times you are tempted to be insincere and say something that is not in your heart. Your lips and your heart must be in agreement. If you seek peace from God, be reconciled with yourself. Let there be no harmful conflict between your mouth and your heart. Wise words. So speaking, when should we speak? How do we discern what is true, what is God's will? What risks are we willing to take to speak the truth? We have some famous examples. Today's Gospel describes John the Baptist announcing Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one on whom the Spirit descended and remained. Jesus, of course, spoke the truth all the time. But also, he kept silent in the face of Pilate's question, allowing the truth to be spoken in the silence. Tomorrow, we mark the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. King was a bold preacher who opposed the Vietnam War as an unjust war. He worked to bring people together, he worked to bring together the peace movement and the civil rights movement, speaking out on behalf of the poor and the persecuted. He said, in a dark and confused world, the kingdom of God may yet reign in the hearts of men. The kingdom of God may yet reign in the hearts of men. King, like John the Baptist, Jesus, and so many others, was one of those people whose lips and hearts was in alignment. He knew he took tremendous risks with his words, his proclamation of equality for all. I think that his faith in God and his faith that God loved each person allowed him to hope have that hope that the kingdom of God may yet reign in our hearts in spite of all the discord we see around us. So I've been thinking a lot about this this week. I'm not sure why. And maybe like you, I really pulled back from posting things out into the world. Admittedly, I'm guilty of posting a very heartfelt, carefully worded Facebook post a while ago, encouraging people to speak, to use the platforms they have to speak out for love and justice, equality and fairness. I meant it when I wrote it, and it resonated with a lot of people. But however, in prayer and conversation since, I'm actually wondering if we all may need to spend more time in silence, in prayer. I don't know. Could be wrong. But my sense is that so many words are flying around so quickly and so abundantly all out 
the most well-intentioned posts may just be adding to the noise and confusion. I certainly don't mean that we should abandon our principles, what it means to stand up for justice with our bodies, and what it means to follow Jesus, to live Christian lives. Of course, of course, we need to continue to be faithful. But I'm simply wondering for myself, and maybe for all of us, if we might be more discerning in our speech. If we might spend more time together in prayer. More silence. More listening. Asking ourselves before we speak or post or tweet, do I really believe what I'm saying? Or am I simply caught up in a frenzy? This manufactured urgency of the news cycle. And sometimes even in our life together, everything seems really, really urgent. I think the faithful questions that are the ones that Augustine offered us. Am I seeking peace with God? Is there any harmful conflict between my lips and my heart? Am I living my baptismal promises to love my neighbor and respect the dignity of every human being? If I say this, if I post this. One of the interesting things about this psalm is that the psalmist is lifted out of the pit of despair not to a place of comfort or safety, but he tells us he was lifted to a higher place, a place where he can see a bigger perspective. And I can only imagine that there was some silence, that there was some silence there before all the singing and proclaiming started. If you've ever stood on a really high place, I imagine you standing there on that high cliff, just looking out in wonder, looking down, looking up, looking around, surveying a world bigger than his own fears and complaints, a world created by God and sustained by God, a world filled with lots of people different from himself, also God's beloved. And he certainly must have been quiet for a little while. I've just been wondering about all of this. And I've been hoping, hoping, along with Dr. King, that the kingdom of God may yet reign in our hearts. And that when I speak to you, and when we speak to one another, and when we proclaim to the world around us, that we're doing so from that place. A place where our lips and our hearts are in alignment with God's faithfulness and love. May it be so.
Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. We pray for Ed, Paul, Barry, Patrick, Bill, Lydia, Shannon, Ryan and Kim, Ellen, John, Linda, Alan, Kent, Nigel, Christine, Bert, Matt, Charlie, Scott, Donna, Rob, Mark, Michael, Joe, Stuart, Daniela, <coughs> Anne, Susie and Ellie, Sandra, the Rosio family, Alice, Jane, Minfong, Jean, Colby, John, Matthew, Marie, Barbara, Jack, Edie, Kirsty, and Edith. Are there others? Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others.
the name of God and of this congregation, I send you forth, Mary, and his holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and his blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread. Say Christ. 